Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to two Old Testament books, 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. If you don't know where they are, it's 416 in page number in my Bible. So if you need that, go there. And um, I want you to put your finger in two places, 1 Kings 4 and 2 Chronicles chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning. And as you are turning there, again, I want to say a big thank you to our student worship band for leading us this morning. Can we give them a round of applause? I think you can do better than that. I think you can do better than that. Uh, those students worked extremely hard and were willing to share their gifts and we're so thankful, we're so thankful for them and what they, what they did in leading us in worship this, this morning. I, I don't know about you, but it's pretty neat um, to see a generation that comes behind us who is willing to stand on the stage and sing and worship and learn how to play an instrument to the glory of God. Amen. That brings me great, great joy and great, great comfort today. Well, in the next 75 minutes, I want to share with you graduating students everything that I know, which would not take 75 minutes. Uh, but I want to share with you just some things that, um, uh, that I, I think are, are applicable to, to you. But, but if you're not a graduating se senior, it does not mean that you can take a nap uh, because this is applicable to you as well. But uh, uh, graduates, I do want to say this from the outset. I do want to say this, that uh, one, I'm very, very proud of you. Very, very proud of each one of you and your families, and my prayer is that you become the godly men, the godly women that God has asked you to become. And I know this, I know that transitions can be scary. Transitions going from one thing to another, it can be scary, but the great theologian John Wayne said these words, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. So take courage, graduates. Parents, rejoice that they're gone, amen? Maybe not. But you rejoice as well because transitions can be hard, but it's all part of life. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about wisdom. Wisdom, something I believe you graduating seniors uh, that, that you'll need, and the rest of us that will need as well, wisdom, godly wisdom. Now, if, if God, students, if God were able to show up to you in physical form right now, if God were to come up before you and say something along these lines, um, if you could have anything that you wanted, what would you want? If God said, I'll give it to you, all you gotta do is just ask me, what would you ask for? Now everybody asks, ask you the same question. If God were able to show up and say, what do you want? Anything in the world that you want, what do you want and I will give it to you? What would you answer the great creator? What would you say? Man, I want a new, want a new car, I want a new house, I want to win the lottery, um, I want, uh, you, you name it. What would you want? What would you ask the great God for? What's interesting is there is a guy in the Bible who that opportunity came his way. His name is, anybody know? Solomon. Solomon was asked that question by God himself. Solomon, the third king of Israel, and at one point, God comes to him, students. God comes to him and says, I've been watching your life. I've been watching you. And I want to come to you and I want to ask you a question. What do you want? If you could have anything in the world, 
What do you want? Do you want fame? Do you want pleasure? Do you want power? Do you want possessions? What do you want? And the great Solomon said this, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And the Bible says that God was so pleased with Solomon's answer that God was so pleased with Solomon's answer that he told Solomon, he said, Solomon, since you said wisdom and didn't ask for these any other things, because you were humble and you asked for wisdom, here's what I'm doing. I'm gonna give you all those things that you did not ask for. All the fame that you want, all the power that you want, all the wealth that you want, I am going to give you those things you did not ask for, but I am going to give you ultimate wisdom. And the Bible tells us this, that outside of Jesus Christ, Solomon is the wisest man in all of history. So in the next few minutes, what I wanna do is I just wanna talk to us about wisdom, godly wisdom. And graduates, here's what I want for you. Here's my prayer for you. Um, here's my desire for you. My desire is this, is that you make wisdom, godly wisdom, a lifetime goal. That you make God's wisdom or godly wisdom, you seek for it, you yearn for it, you long for it. And so I want to tell you the reasons why. And I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4, and I want to tell you a story. 1 Kings chapter 4, the scripture's on the screen behind me. But let's learn a little bit about Solomon and all of his wisdom. And if you're with me this morning, say amen. 1 Kings chapter 4, we read of Solomon, and we're going to find out about his wisdom. Follow along, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, and it says this, now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breath of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. The first thing we need to understand is this, God is the giver of wisdom, Amen. God is a giver, verse 30, and Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, verse 31, for he was wiser than all other people, more than Ethan the Ezraite, he-man. <laughs> did anybody watch he-man? Boys, did you watch that as a kid? Yeah, he-man, Skeletor, Castle Grayskull, anybody with me? Yes. Thank you, we got one, we got one. So he is wiser than Ethan the Ezraite, He-Man, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Maal. His reputation extended to all the surrounding nations. What's interesting about all these men listed, Josh, I don't know if you know this, but all these men listed, these are the musicians that you find in the book of Psalms. And so Solomon is saying, these guys are just, this, this, this Solomon is wise. He's wise in these men that we've heard of who've, who've written these songs. And it goes on to tell all the songs that Solomon writes. Uh, he wrote, he wrote, he told 3,000 proverbs. His songs numbered 1,005. Uh, verse 33, he told of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He told of animals and birds and crawling things and fish. In verse 34, people came from all the nations to hear the wisdom of Solomon. This man saw. Solomon, he had wisdom. Now, but we also knew, we know a few other things about Solomon as well, right? We also know that he did not make, he didn't always make good decisions. But at this point in his life, we're going to explain in just a moment, that early in his life, Solomon did the right thing. Students, early in his life, Solomon did the right and the godly thing. And when Solomon, as a king, did the right thing, the nations flourished. 
The students, I will just tell you this, not only the graduating students, but everybody else who's a student, college, high school, middle school, I will let you know this, that the nation will always flourish when the young people do what is good and what is right. The nation will flourish when you do what is right and when you do what is godly. And early in Solomon's life, he does just that. And let me give you a little background here. Solomon, we know that Solomon is David's son. And so Solomon is going to replace David as the king of Israel. And so when Solomon replaces David as the king, when Solomon graduates from being a prince to a king, Solomon does something pretty interesting. He throws a graduation party. Solomon throws a graduation party. It's actually a rather strange graduation party. He has what I think may may be the largest barbecue ever. He throws a huge barbecue. And Solomon, when he finds out that he's gonna graduate, he finds out he's transitioning into a new stage of life, he throws this graduation party, but he does it at a rather interesting site. He does it at the holiest mountain in all of Israel. And what he does is he slaughters a thousand animals, cattle, goats, and sheep. He builds an altar and he makes a thousand animal offering to God. It's probably the greatest barbecue in all of history. Maybe, maybe not. Are y'all with me? You didn't catch that humor? (laughs) All right, maybe not. I think it's a strange graduation party. Watch this, watch what Solomon does at his graduation party. Second Chronicles chapter one. We know that he's wise, where does he get this wisdom from? Second Chronicles chapter one, begin with verse number six. In verse number six in Second Second Chronicles one says this. And Solomon went up there before the Lord to the bronze altar, which was at the tent of meeting, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. There's his graduation party. He throws a huge barbecue. Now watch what God does. God shows up at his graduation party. And that night, God appeared to Solomon, verse seven, and said to him, ask what, it's, what I shall give to you. In verse eight, Solomon said to God, you have dealt with my father David with great loving kindness. You have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, your promise to my father David is fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now, verse number 10, here's what Solomon does. God has spoken to him, he says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can rule this great people of yours and God said to Solomon because you had this in mind and you didn't ask for riches you didn't ask for wealth or honor or the life of those who hate you nor have you asked for long life but you've asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I've made you king wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you and I will give you riches I will give you wealth and I will give you honor, such as none of the kings who are before you has possessed, nor those who will come after you. Wow. Now here's the amazing thing about this graduation party that Solomon threw. He's graduating from being a prince, he's graduating from being a prince to a king. Do you know how old Solomon is? Scholars say that Solomon right now here in what we just read, he's 18 years old. He's 18, and Solomon 
throws a graduation party. And at his party, God shows up. God shows up and says, you tell me what you want and I will give it to you. And here's what's so neat about Solomon and all of the reasons why he has so much wisdom is that when Solomon transitions from the prince to the king, and he's now the king of Israel, he's now overseeing two million people who need his protection, who need his leadership, who need his character. This is the biggest assignment he's ever had in his life. And he says to the Lord, I can't do this. I need help. And what Solomon does is he makes the biggest sacrifice he can think of. He makes a huge sacrifice. He sacrifices a thousand animals to God. Now, let's, let's take a step back. Are y'all with me this morning? Anybody asleep just yet? Okay, good. So in Old Testament, there are several types of offerings. Let me share with you two of them. The first one's called a fellowship offering. Now, fellowship offering, it, it, does, it, it does involve animals and it does uh, burning them on an altar. But a fellowship offering, you would roast part of the animal and you'd give that back to the Lord, meaning you don't touch it. But the other part of the animal, you would roast it and you would cook it to your desired temperature. Rare, medium, medium well, well done. But as soon as that portion got your, whatever you wanted, here's what you did. You would take that portion of the offering off of the fire and guess what you'd go do? You'd go eat it. You'd go eat it, it's called a fellowship offering and you'd eat it with other people and you'd eat it in fellowship with God. This is the provision that God has made. God, I'm giving you back some of this and we're going to enjoy the rest of it, but I'm giving it to you, but I'm also in fellowship with one another. The other offering in scripture in the Old Testament that we see is called a burnt offering. Now a burnt offering, you will put the entire animal on the fire and you would burn the entire thing. You would burn it. You wouldn't touch it. You wouldn't eat it. You would just let it burn all up and the reason you did that to a burnt offering is because this when you gave a burnt offering here's what it means I give everything to the Lord I give everything every ounce of this offering which represents my life everything I give it to you now when we read of Solomon's graduation party what type of offering did he have was it a fellowship offering look at your neighbor and say no it was a burnt offering so at Solomon's graduation party, students, listen to this, at his graduation party, he's 18, he's making a transition, there's a new chapter in his life, he doesn't offer a fellowship, uh, he doesn't offer a fellowship offering, he offers a burnt offering. And how many burnt offerings does he offer? 1,000. 1,000 burnt offerings, which a burnt offering means I give everything to you. So on his graduation night, on his graduation party, 1,000 times Solomon says, God, I give you everything. I give you everything. All I have is yours. Everything that, that, that belongs to me, I give it to you. God, I'm going into a new chapter of my life. And God, I give you everything. He does that 1,000 times. Are you getting the picture this morning? In that transition in his life, at his graduation party from a prince to a king, he says this, God, 
man, I can't do this. I can't do this, but I need you, and I give you every single thing in my life. And then here's what God does. Students, listen. The second, the second that 1,000th offering was offered, God showed up and said, Solomon, what do you want? Do you get the picture? Everybody else, do you get the picture? I give you everything. Everything that I have, all that I have learned in my previous uh, 17, 18 years, I give it all to you. God, everything, and the second you do that, God shows up. He shows up and says, what do you want me to do for you, Solomon? What do you want? I'll give you anything. You've given your life to me, I will give you whatever. Students, I beg of you, parents of your graduating class, I beg of you that you offer your lives as a burnt offering to our holy God. You offer it to him because when you start this new chapter in your life, you need the almighty God to guide you in every single step in every single direction. You're going into a world that um, I don't envy you. I don't envy you but I have full confidence in you that you will seek to live a life that glorifies the heavenly father because you have given your all to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. And when you do that, God will show up and use you in a way that, he, that you, know, you can't even imagine. But we need you to give your all to Christ so that he can work through you. And Solomon says this, God, I want wisdom. Wisdom is saying exactly what Solomon says here. Wisdom is saying, God, all I have is yours. All I am is yours. I give everything to you. Is that on the screen up here? Can we put that on the screen? Let's say that together. Wisdom says, God, all I have is yours. All I am is yours. I give everything to you. That's what wisdom says. Students, that's what I ask you to say. I ask you to say that, to give your life to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Well, what is wisdom? Well, this is what wisdom says, but what is wisdom? If Solomon had wisdom, what is that? If, if wisdom is uh, the beginning of knowledge, it's the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, what, what is wisdom? Here's how I define wisdom. Wisdom is seeking and responding to life from God's perspective. Is it you that you see life, you respond to life from God's perspective? Everything happens for a reason, and as believers in Christ, we need God's perspective. And so students, when you go to college and you sit in your English class, your history class, or whatever, your biology, class, your biology class, whatever it is, and they start talking about a different point of view, you need to respond with a God's perspective. Moms, they need your encouragement. Dads, they need your encouragement to respond with God's perspective well. Who wants to have a thousand cattle barbecue as soon as we're done here. Wouldn't that be good? Can't you just smell it? Mm. 
Texas barbecue and Georgia pork. I don't know, I don't know. Well, let me show you what God does. Are y'all still with me this morning? Students, you still with me? They didn't say anything, that's good. Well, let me show you a couple other things. I just wanna show you a couple other things, what God does for Solomon. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 14. Look what God does. Solomon gave him his life. God says, what do you want? Solomon says, I want wisdom. And this is what God does. Verse 14, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Solomon amassed chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, and he stationed them in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. Now, 1,400 chariots doesn't sound like a lot to you and I, but if you remember when uh, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they were being chased by, uh, by Pharaoh. Do y'all remember that story? Pharaoh had 600 chariots. Solomon has doubled that. And so Solomon has the wisdom to know that if God blesses a country, he needs to protect the country. Look at verse 15. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedars as plentiful as sycamores in the low land. God gave Solomon the wisdom to make money, which means you gotta work. (laughs) Parents, you gotta work. That's what it means. Turn look at chapter two. Look at chapter two, verses one and two, Second Chronicles. Now Solomon decided to build a house for the name of the Lord as a royal palace for himself. So Solomon assigned 70,000 men to carry loads, 80,000 men to quarry stone in the mountains, and 3,600 to supervise them. Not only does Solomon understand the, the, the need for protection of a nation, not only does Solomon understand the need to, to generate wealth, he also understands it is important to worship the Lord his God and you do it with other people. He understands that because that's what wisdom does. Wisdom always brings you back to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. If you read the rest of 2 Chronicles, you read chapters three, four, five, six, uh, seven, and eight, you see that that Solomon builds the temple and God uh, blesses the nation of Israel. God fills them with prosperity. He fills them with peace. And all through it all, Solomon remains in a prayerful state. He always prays. He always prays. Because that's what wisdom does. He prays. I want you to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And we'll be done. We'll be done and we'll go have our barbecue. We'll have a barbecue. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I want you to watch this. This is, this is probably the most famous prayer that we see, or one of the most famous prayers in the Old Testament. And uh, we see this, we often use this about praying for revival, God restoring our nation. But in context, this prayer, this dialogue between Solomon and God, it all begins right after his graduation party where Solomon begs God for wisdom. And then Solomon uh, continues his conversation and God responds to him. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter seven. We'll begin in verse number 11 and we'll go through verse 14. It says this, Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's palace. He successfully completed all that he planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. So Solomon did it. He finished his task and now the Lord appears to him again. And he says, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. 
And then God says, if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence along among my people, God says this, I'm gonna do something, I'm still your God, but here's your responsibility. Here's your responsibility, verse 14, and my people, does this sound familiar to anybody? And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You probably had that verse memorized before and you know this, but graduates, here's what I wanna say to you. The context of this prayer that we've read so many times as we prayed for a revival in our nation, the context of that prayer is this. The context is this. Solomon has just graduated and he's moved to a new stage of life. And God says, you do these four things, I will take care of you the rest of the way. Students, here's the four things I encourage you to do. Moms and dads, here's the four things I encourage you to do. Church, here's what I encourage you to do. Number one, you humble yourself. You humble yourself. What does that mean? You admit that you're not God and you are really not that big. Learn that lesson sooner than later. Amen, right? Learn that sooner than later. You're really not that big. You're not God. You humble yourself. You humble yourself. Number two, you pray. You pray. You pray daily. You pray individually. You pray with other people. This is what Solomon says. This is what God says to Solomon. You humble yourself, you pray. And the third thing he says is this, you seek God's face. How do you do that? How do you seek God's face? You read his word. You read his word. You go to church. You find a church and wherever you're going and you get plugged in. You join a college ministry. You get plugged in and you respond with other godly people. And then here's number four and here's the tough one. Here's a tough one. Y'all ready for this? Church, you ready for this? Here's the fourth one. You turn away from your sin. And as you go to school, let me tell you this, you stay away from sin. You don't do what everybody else does. You don't do it. Well, pastor, you don't understand. It's been 700 years since you were in college. It's truth. That's truth. But you don't sin. Well, pastor, you don't know about all those things that people do just yet. Well, I read about them. But you don't sin. You know why you don't sin? Because you're a child of the king and you live different. Well, Pastor, you, 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 you don't understand, I'll be made fun of. Yeah, you will. Pastor, you don't understand, nobody, nobody, nobody will be my friend. That's not true. Pastor, Pastor, you, 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 you don't understand, I, 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 will, I, will be, I will be lonely. No, no, that's not true. When you offer your life as a burnt offering, what is God going to do for you? He's going to take care of you. You can take that to the bank once you get a job. (laughs) 
people, are you with me? You don't sin. Church, you don't sin either. Moms and dads, you don't sin. You turn away from the wicked ways. You don't sin because you, you yourself have given yourself as a burnt offering as well. Can you imagine, mom's dad, can you imagine what your son or your daughter's life would look like if they truly lived their lives as a burnt offering to the heavenly father? How about you? Can you imagine what our lives would look like if we live our lives as a burnt offering to the heavenly father? Can you imagine, can you imagine what God would do through us? Wow. Church, students, humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face and turn away from sin. And God will take you to places you've never even imagined and it will be a good thing. Amen? Amen. Well, at this time, I'm going to ask the seniors, if you'll come and spread out across the front of the, the, the stage, the steps, and I'm going to ask parents and family of the students to come lay their hands on their son or their daughter. Do not choke them. But we're gonna have a time of prayer, okay? So students, just come up here in the front, spread out so your moms and dads and families can stay on the bottom floor and just spread out all the way across from wall to wall, wall to wall. Yeah, go ahead and scoot on down. All right, everybody stretch out your arms, touch fingertips. Friends, you can come up here as well, that's fine. Y'all spread out, y'all can all spread out. In this a neat picture church. Moms and dads, if you just place your hands on your sons and your daughters. And let's pray. Let's pray for them. Ask that God's blessings and favor will be upon them. And church, let's join our hearts in prayer as well. And the Bible says that I want all men and women to lift up their hands in holy prayer. If you feel comfortable, just simply lift up your hands in, their, in the direction of the students and let's, let's pray together. Father, we come before you today and we give these students to you. We ask, oh God, that you grant them wisdom and discernment in this next journey into their life. Father, we ask that they may grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with you and with man. Father, when they are afraid, I pray that they will be courageous. When they are lonely, I pray that you would remind them that you are always there. When they are unsure, 
I pray that you will remind them that your ways are sure and that your ways are true. God, we pray for these young men and these young women that you would raise them up to be disciples of Christ, followers of you. And Father, I pray that whenever they go to their college or to work or wherever it may be, Father, I pray that the spirit of the living God would so fill up their lives that the spirit would overflow from them and that others would ask them, what is, what is different about you? And that these students would reply, the difference is Jesus. Father, we pray protection over them. We pray a covering over them. And then Father, we pray for the moms and dads as, as there will be a void but I pray that you would come and fill that void and prepare them for that next stage of relationship with their son and their daughter. And Father, we say thank you for these parents for raising them in the ways of the Lord. And Father, I pray that you would bless the parents and honor them, oh God. And so Father, today we say thank you for the graduating class of 2023. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen.